0: Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker. On this episode, Spike Jones, the general manager for the strategic marketing team at Coros, is back again for the episode. For those who missed the last two episodes, here's a quick recap. On our previous episodes, Spike talked about building online communities and leveraging word-of-mouth marketing. Today, though, our conversation is going to focus on multi-channel marketing and the best ways to do it. Let's get it started. So what I want to talk about is the importance of like the multi-channel marketing, right? Because I think that We talk about, you know, these siloed, you know, communities or things that, you know, Twitter or whatever that may be. But I want to talk about multi-channel marketing and like how do marketers, like what do they need to do to focus on multi-channel marketing?
1: Yeah, I think it goes back to a little bit of what we talked about because, you know, I've got an 80 year, 81 year old mother who she would never WhatsApp a company. She would never go to their website and talk on a, with a chat bot. She's going to want to pick up the phone. And talk to somebody because that's how she's always done it. So that's important. But then, you know, the 16-year-old, the they don't want to talk to anybody. So first of all, can I self-serve? So is there a place that I can go and type in a question and I can get my answer and boom, I'm done when I'm setting something up at home or what, if I'm troubleshooting my phone. But then there's the people in between. I want to talk to someone. I want to talk to them right now. Uh, and I'm on my phone in the middle of nowhere. So again, you, you as a brand have to be prepared for all these variables. And and like you had talked to uh, just before this, is like, those things are changing every day. And there are new channels every single day. And some of them are going to stick around, you know, the TikToks of the world, maybe some of them might not. Uh, the TikToks of the world, maybe. <laughs> so yeah. because I think about Periscope, and I think about Meerkat, and I think about all these other ones, too, that, that, that brands will go crazy for. But I just think that importance of being a available and ready to serve whether it's someone saying a great thing about you or someone's having a problem because again turning those problems into you know loyal happy customers if you take care of their problem and that's why I make it a point I was doing it yesterday I had to return something to Google and I chatted with someone and they of course took care of me and they were great but I make it a point to answer the surveys afterwards and give my feedback because they want to hear it and be better but you know just having that seamless experience I think is, is crucial
0: Well, and it, you know, and I think, you know, I think about like Amazon being, you know, and there's a lot of bigger companies too, but they've kind of set that that precedent of like, you know, customer service was just be Zappos. I think being the big one of like, hey, like really taking care of the people. And their big thing was, you know, hey, how long can you keep somebody on the phone to talk to them and keep them happy? When before it was like, hey, you got to get people in, get them out. Yeah, it was a different, you know, I got to turn and got to hurry up and get, you know, got other people calling. And I love that. I love the fact of like, it's like, hey, you, you know, of course it becomes more difficult brand wise to be able to to be able to you know, look at all these channels and be able to answer all these people. But I will tell you that if for your mom who's looking for a phone number, which your mom sounds like an absolute angel, those companies need to have those phone numbers for your mom, because I think that's important because your mom is a very nice person from what you've told me. She seems like an absolute angel. She adopts. We need a phone number for your mom. So uh, we'll look into that. If your mom has any problems with phone numbers, which I know there's a few companies that, like if you find a phone number, it's like, it's like a gold nugget or something. It's like, like, I don't even know how to handle it. Um, if your mom needs any help, let me know. I, mean, no, I appreciate it. She's a for. hugger. So just warning you, she's a hugger. I was raised by hippies in California. I do nothing but hug. Like I I am, don't, don't tease me with a hug. I haven't hugged somebody in so long. I, I'd probably hold on to your mom for like an hour or something. She'd probably be like, all right, we'll, we'll get this, this hippie guy off me. Cause I don't know what he's doing. I know the COVID thing is a little weird. Maybe just bump elbows or something right now, but I'm, I'm going to be looking for a hug. If I see your mom, just so, you know, just so we'll throw it out there. You do know? Yeah, yeah, yeah i'll let you know keep you away from my mom is what i'm going to do um so what are the some of the key features to successful uh multi-channel marketing strategies cuz i know we've talked just a little bit about once again about you know the, those different the different channels but what what do you think some of the key features are of like kind of the the, the staples the pillars to it
1: yeah i mean it's the connection points inside the company I, I really you know it's no longer anything that can be ignored it should in my opinion you know things like the information that can be pulled from a Acoros should be the, the nervous system of any company now because it's mm. not, it shouldn't be just relegated to care. It shouldn't be just relegated to marketing and PR departments. It should like flow throughout the entire, because R and D can get involved and get new ideas from customers and your community. And I just think all those connection points inside a company, but having a tool that makes, that it easily connects you, but also breaking down those silos and, and making sure that these teams are talking to each other and that it's not a contest. Of who gets the most, you know, who turns and burns the most uh, 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 customers. It is that, like, hey man, let's do this together. We are one team for sure. Which in these larger companies that have done it their own way for you know decades, it's really hard to break down those silos. But I think those connection points internally are crucial for sure.
0: Okay. I love that. I think you know it's, so, it's incredible when you talk about like customer service and the, so much information that comes through there. Because um, I had a company that we, long story short, we had about 120 employees at a certain point, and we customer service was important to us, but we didn't spend as much time as we should have, just to be honest. Um, and all of a sudden, it started to become an issue. And I started talking to the customer service reps and I thought, God, they have so much information. They're literally the boots on the ground. And they have stuff that says, hey, I've been Tonya for three months that we should change this. And I'm like, Oh my God, like we really should have been listening more. Um, and that was something that, you know, that we learned a lot from that process and said, okay, we got to like really listen you know, to what we got going on here. You can't be too busy for that. We got to set up meetings and talk to customer service and be able to understand what's going on there because You know they they're the ones who get the good calls and the bad calls and you want to know about both of them but now we talk about a social aspect of how the the software brings that all into one area and you can just look at it and figure out you know where you need to assign stuff tasks and people and what they need to do and and be able to to see that so once again i love that i love that it just makes it easy
1: yeah and having that and having and and then having that information with people are talking to you i mean taking that community that you own and looking for the trends and what people are talking about and then going oh crap we need to get ahead of this on social because this is bubbling up inside our own community of people that love us and are talking about us and then vice versa. What are things out there on social that can inform your community as well? Or you can even use social to recruit new people into your community going, Hey, did you know there's this thing over here? And it just needs to be this thing that feeds one another, which I think is a huge opportunity that not a lot of brands
0: are taking advantage of. No, I love that. I love that. So what are some of the best tools for multi-channel marketing? So anything, what do you guys, what have you used personally and what do you recommend? I mean, I, I can't not say chorus. Uh, I mean, hello. <laughs> I, that's, that's what I was waiting for. I was kind of giving you the high sign, like, I had the answer, <laughs> but I'll let you say it. No, I, and, and I appreciate that. You know, and like I said, I came from
1: Spreadfast, and we, had, uh, we have and uh, had a very robust marketing tool, but it was, it's for, it, it was for the outbound. It was for listening. You know, the listening tool intelligence is, is really cool, which I, I love. But it, it was that part of it, and then whenever we were uh, acquired by Vista and therefore Lithium, you know they brought the care and they brought the community to the party too so it just was a perfect and when i first heard the announcement which i found out like 12 minutes before the rest of the company found out <laughs> the was like hey this is happening in 12 minutes it's like okay process quickly what's going to happen um at first it's like okay that's kind of interesting but then whenever we really started to integrate the the platforms it was like okay this is a no-brainer this is it this is an all-in-one you know one stop and i know lots you know companies talk about their tech stacks and they are pulling in this, these guys over here and this guy over here. And I get it because they serve different purposes, but to have it all in one place, all at your fingertips, I think
0: it's really powerful. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. That's awesome. So what brands do you think are, are doing uh, multi-channel marketing effectively? Like when you, when you look at that, because I know you guys have obviously a lot of brands that use the software, but is there any brands that you can think that you're like, God, they, they've been doing a great job?
1: Yeah, and I think it goes back to the people I was not bashing before, but uh, in, my, in my Fleischman days, But I really do think some of the big telcos are doing a good job. I think Verizon, you know, I know they're one of the big boys and people have different opinions about them, but I think they're one one of the ones that are on the forefront because you think about having to shift from these huge call centers to start to think about, you know what, we really could implement bots to deflect a lot of these calls. We really could get a robust community so people could serve. And so I think Verizon, you know, they're really staying ahead of the trends or at least staying on trend when it comes to incorporating new ways to get in contact with them and really trying to serve their customers instead of it being that waiting line where you're on hold forever uh, and you get transferred
0: into department to department. It's really meeting those customers where they are when they want to be met. I love that. That's kind of your guys' tagline, huh? I love that you guys, because that makes total sense. Like when you said that a few times and it's like, it's like where people are having the conversation and you're just like, you're there, you know, you're like a part of it which is like, it, it's basic in, in, in the way that you're saying it, but it's like so important. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, like, it's, it's no longer like, we'll be over here if you need us. It's like, you hear your name, you go, hey, what do you need? What do you need? Are you can use something? Can we help you with something? Yeah. Which it's a totally non-creepy way, of course.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't want to be creepy because that like involves cops and restraining orders. And Not that I know anything about that. I'm just saying I've heard from my friends or whatever. But anyway, so it's we're all good now. I've been married for 15 years and so we have nothing to worry about. So we're good. No more court cases. But um, so what are some of the future trends you see in regards to, um, you know, it's multi-channel like marketing and like for marketers, like what, what do you see? Cause I know obviously you guys get all the data and you get to see all the fun stuff and you guys see the trends probably went before a lot of other people. So what would you say? What are you, some of the trends that you think are going to be happening here in the future?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when it comes to social, I really, I, we look at it as, you know, phase one of social was, it, it was a marketing vehicle and marketers were like, ah, oh, cool. Another way to blast out my stuff. And so or in the early days, and you were there, you know, that's what they used it for. And then it really became, and then so that was the, the one-to-many world. And then it really became, for the, the the brands that were kind of on the leading edge, it became care. It became more of the one-to-one, DM me because you got a problem, um, which is great. And we are seeing now that when companies have their marketing stuff together, and they've got their care stuff together, the next phase for them is what we call brand love. And it's really using those great experiences that you when you solve a problem to turn that into a loyal customer and then taking those loyal customers like my Chevy guy and amplifying who they are and what they do and make them feel important because we know the number one reason why a person shares a piece of branded content is because it makes them look good to their friends um, nice. right so give people pieces of content that make them look awesome to their friends and have those interactions that people go target talked to me today on Twitter this is super cool so we're calling that phase three Um, And so from a social aspect, I really think it's that. That's a huge trend that we're starting to see, not a huge trend, it's a trend we're starting to see, but the customer, again, has to have their marketing and care stuff together. And then on the uh, flip side of it, it really is this shift away from call centers and people realizing that this is not efficient as it could be, I need technology. Sure, there still needs to be people that answer the phone, absolutely. But does it need to be as big and robust as it used to be? And can we use artificial intelligence to answer some of these basic questions for our customers and have that artificial intelligence learn, which that's one of the most exciting parts of the job is to see this AI that teaches itself, not in a Skynet kind of way, but in a really cool customer service kind of way.
0: Yeah, like Watson or IBM or something where it's like this continue, it starts to learn over time and evolve and become more effective. I think, I mean, to me, that's like when you think about that kind of stuff, it's kind of blows you away. It's like you're you're actually something that gets smarter and smarter over time. which was kind of supposed to be, I mean, I was supposed to get smarter and smarter over time. We just, I don't know what happened I mean, I'm not exactly Watson, but I um, you, anyways, that's, yeah, I know it's a whole nother conversation, but um, yeah, I love that. I love the AI side of things. I think it's, it's, you know, I think it scares some people, but for me, it's intriguing on how it can make things more efficient and, and, and be smarter about the way that you do things, which is pretty, uh, pretty crazy for the future and marketing is going to be fun for sure. Absolutely. It's been a great conversation so far, Spike. Before we move on to more fun stuff, I wanted to have a word with our listeners. If you need help managing your online campaigns, my team can help. We offer services such as online PR, content marketing, SEO, influencer marketing, and more. You can check out my website at shanebarker.com. That's S H A N E B A R K E R.com for more information on our services. Now back to the episode with Spike. So cool. Well, this was Spike. We're we're at the we're at the end of this thing here, which is. And I call this the fun section. This is the fun section. Not that we didn't have fun before this. I mean, I we obviously this is an absolute party. I mean, you and I, you put your suit on. People can't see this. You got all suited up, and I put on a dress shirt. I even did my hair. You're looking dapper. Nobody would know that on the podcast, but you were super excited about today's interview. Um, tell us a little bit, because you you had actually touched on a little bit about your the book that you had. I think you had co-written it, it was uh, Brains on Fire. Tell us a little bit about that like, because that was you, go, you wrote that probably 10 years ago, but I, I've actually read the book. It's actually still relevant today. Give us a little background on that.
1: Oh, well, thanks for, thanks for reading the book. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was from the, from the company Brains on Fire, what to call it. Wiley, Wiley and Sons approached us because we had a blog. Uh, I wrote a blog for years and I had to convince the, the owners of the company to do a blog at the time because they're like, "Ah, oh, it's just a bad. And I'm like, no, this is going to stick around. And if you let me do it, I'll, I promise I'll populate it five days a week. So I did for years. And Wiley approached us and said, would you like to write a book kind of based on the insights that you have? And we tried, we pitched names to them and they're like, no, we want to call it the name of your company, Brands on Fire. That's a random story. <laughs> but basically it was taking a look at any successful, and we called them word of mouth movements because really, you know, campaigns have a beginning and an end, but movements start and they go on as long as the people are involved. Um, yeah. So we really, then that's kind of how we branded ourselves as we created these word of mouth movements. So so we broke down three, four, five of our most successful word of mouth movements into 10 steps of how we did them and, and basically wrote about them. But we also wrote about how when you failed, like when we had a successful one, of the first successful movements we had, we took it up and tried to drop it into another company and it fell on its face because it's, you can't have the same exact elements, but there were 10 truths that we learned through those things and we broke them down. And in each chapter, it is like, this is the truth. And then this is how it played out in each of these scenarios. So I'm proud of it because it was based on real stuff. It wasn't philosophy. It wasn't, you would be cool if you do this. It was, we've done this stuff. Here's what worked. Here's what did not work. So again, I, I, I wrote it. I only know how to write. I, I wrote the whole thing. I, and the inputs from the other authors was they did a lot of research. And of course, we created those movements together. Uh, yeah. very, a lot of smart people in that company. Very conversational writers it sound like a business book whenever you wrote it hopefully it was more like oh let's just sit down and talk but uh, i'm still you know like you said it's been 10 years which is hard to believe but still pretty proud of that book
0: yeah for sure for sure well it flowed it flowed right i mean it didn't the thing is i like books that don't feel because it's hard for me to read what i mean by that is like i enjoy reading but if it doesn't like, if it doesn't flow well for me, then it's, I get ADHD and then I'm looking at other things and doing this. So I like a book that once again, that flowed really well for me. And once again, I love the word of mouth thing, right? Cool. Cause it, it's been around for so long and, and how it's evolved. has been pretty interesting to kind of see that. So what are some of your, your favorite books of all time? Like what are some of the books that you, mean there any books you read like once a year? There's a book that you're like, oh my God, I love this book. Give us some, some feedback here.
1: So when it comes to the business world, I don't I don't really keep up with business books as much as I used to. I still am a big fan of Chip and Dan Heath. I mean, but you know, uh, they wrote Switch and so many other great books. But uh, the one that really I always harken back to that set me on my path and how it really set brains on fire on its path was good old Seth Godin's Purple Cow. And it is a little short book, which I love, but it is one that I go to again and again and again. And the concept is just so simple about when you're driving down the road and you see all these cows, like the purple cow sticks out. It's because there's only one of them. And here's what makes companies unique. It is those, one, it's those little things. And it makes, because it forces me to think about great experiences that I've had with maybe obscure brands. Like, I don't know, do you ever, do you remember CD Baby? Do you remember that, that brand? Oh, I do actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A, little, a little indie. Website, like the interface was crap, but you could always yeah. just, but one of the things I'll never forget is I ordered a CD from there wh- forever ago. And with it came this letter. Oh, actually, I got an email confirmation and the email confirmation was, Spike, thank you so much for buying this. Um, we put on our white gloves and we you know, went through and we put this in a magical golden box and the entire staff waved goodbye to the airplane. <laughs> like this little magical email. And I was like, that is so, I'll never forget that. And it was just a moment that could go, hey, your CD is on its way. Thanks. It was this moment that they took to go, no, you know what? We're going to make this remarkable. And so absolutely. absolutely. And it flowed into everything that we did at Brains on Fire when you created those movements. And so I'll never forget it. But Purple Cow is definitely, I I will, because I get asked this question by new people who started the company who might be right out of college. And I'll I'll send them one because it's an impactful book.
0: I love that and CD baby. Let me explain that to, to my audience. So CDs were these things that we had back in the day. You'd put them in the machine. They were kind of like a like a fax, but different. Anyways, uh, you just have to Google it. It's it's kind of a thing. The, the whole CD. But CD baby, I remember their interface. It was absolutely. It kind of reminded me of Craigslist. Like they just never. They didn't. They're like we're just going to keep it the way that it is. We're never going to change it because why would we? You know, this is it. But I, I, I never, I don't think I ever bought anything from them, but I heard good things. That's, that's funny that there was a, an email that made that kind of impression. It's kind of cool when those kinds of things happen, because obviously they cared, right? They put in the time and, and the effort It made an impact. So, all right. So I'm interested. This is, I love this question. This is one of my favorite questions of the, if you could have dinner with any three people dead or alive, um, who would it be? Who would, who would be your three favorites?
1: Man, I, you know, whenever I get asked this question, it's always a different answer but because there's just so many ways you can come at it. But I think people who've been on my mind as of late that I think would be just really interesting And first, um, I think Anthony Boudin would be a good one. Uh, Such an interesting life. Um, and it just seems like, cause we've all seen him have meals with people all the time. So I just would love to sit down and just have fun and have a good meal uh, with him as well. Um, to make us laugh, uh, Larry David. Big Larry David fan. He's he's such a quirky effer. Like he's just, I just would like to see like crawl around in his brain for a while and see what makes him tick. (laughs) That would be a lot of fun. And then uh, I think my third one would be uh, Galil Gibran. And this is a dude, he wrote a book called The Prophet. It has never been out of circulation. He wrote it, I think in the 1920s. He's a Lebanese immigrant. Uh, He was born in the 1880s, I think think and this guy was a, a writer and a graphic designer and a poet and a philosopher even though he hated to be called a philosopher but his life it was just so interesting and the way he approached things and how he experimented with words and different writing styles it's really really fascinating so, so that's an obscure one
0: if you've never read the prophet it's a great little book um, I, a i'm, gonna go, che- I'm yeah. gonna go check that out i've never heard of that i and you know i always that's why i ask these kind of questions because I, I love you know, people saying something or, you know, somebody that I had no idea who they were. And I'm like, wait a second. So I'm going to, the prophet, huh? I'll have to yeah, go yeah, check that up. out. And Anthony, man, I just, you know, I wish that guy was still around. You just, you, I remember watching because my wife would watch the food shows and all that stuff. And we would watch and it's like, and he just just nothing but good food and hanging out and drinking and just having a good time. It felt like he had the life, you know, now it always looks like that on TV and social and stuff. But I was like, man, it's just like, how do I do more of that? Like you're just going to exotic places and learning the culture and having amazing food and meeting amazing people, you know, having drinks I was always included and whatever else he included with those drinks, who knows? But the idea is, is he was having fun and always looked like he was having a good time. So yeah, shout out to think- Anthony. For sure. For
1: me, he was on one hand, he was seemed like a very simple man and simple life. But then also when you start listening to him, like you just realize there's layers and layers and layers.
0: For sure. Yeah, he was like an onion for sure. Yeah, you would think that there was, you didn't really realize that until I think probably I, I saw some interviews with him that you're like, wow, this guy's a lot deeper than what it was, right. And there was obviously that was some of the things I think that that brought him to, to what happened. But sure. um Anyways, but yeah, he's still every year. I know there's a lot of people that talk about it on social. And every time I say, oh, "Man, I wish that guy was still around. He was just such a fun, fun to watch, fun to watch. Always looking like, so I was like, I want to be more like him when I get older. How do I do that? How do I travel around and do that? Spike, I know this is going to be fun, man. I had to brace myself today. Like I said, I put on this dress shirt and I was like, you know what? I know he's going to have a tie on. I know he's going to be looking a lot better than I am, but I don't care. I'm going to still do the interview. I just doesn't matter to me anymore. Doesn't matter. So if anybody needed to get in contact with you or uh, how do we, how do we go about doing that? Um, Email is sjones at corals.com. You can find me on Twitter at
1: spikejones and you can find me on Instagram at spike, which, you know, when Instagram came along, I was like, you know what? This might be something. I'm going to go ahead and grab this username. Didn't use it for years and years and years. And then, yeah, just started. Well, I post started posting years ago. I got hacked once and everything got deleted, but then, you know, it's good to know people at Facebook and Instagram so you can get that stuff back too.
0: Yeah. That's, which is unheard of. I will. Yeah. I tell you, I did when I saw that she had spike and I was like, how did he get that? Like there's going to be something he must've hacked something or he knows somebody somewhere like that just doesn't happen. Like, I remember I got for this is a long story, but I got um, I tried to get Shane Barker at Twitter and there was a guy that had it and he just wasn't doing anything with it. It was driving me nuts. So I had to do an underscore. And that's like been like ever since my whole life. I've like, God damn you, you underscore like that underscore always just that underscore defines me. It's the fact that this guy out of like Montana that's tweeted like three times and I've sent out like 30,000 tweets with my, on my underscore. I'll get it. I'll get it one day. I'm going to really? talk to somebody. At yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, as soon as he passes, I, I know that he's sick right now. Just kidding. I haven't really been stalking him. But but it is something. It has bothered me. But when I saw you had Spike, I was like, that's, you must have been like the second person to get on Instagram. So uh, congrats on that. Congrats yeah. that you have that. Appreciate it. All right, Spike. It's been a pleasure, man. I know this is going to be fun. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, and once again, have an awesome rest of your day. And like I said, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for the conversation. I very much enjoyed it. Okay, folks, thanks for tuning into the marketing growth podcast. And I hope you've learned a lot from our conversation today with Spike Jones. I'll be back with another episode next week. So stay tuned.